0: Our series that we are beginning, I believe this is a four-week series, it's on the fruit of the Spirit. I have often challenged people, leaders, I was even addressing um, our missionaries at School of Missions a couple of years ago, and they asked me to, to do the devotion, the chapel-type service, and, and I was talking to them about being missionaries of the Spirit of the Spirit. And I have challenged men in men's meetings to be men of the Spirit, anyone that will listen, of the Spirit. And I go to gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. Can you imagine what our world would be like, like our personal worlds, if we would really focus on uh, flowing and operating, allowing the fruit of the Spirit to flow out of us, and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You say oh, that's a little spooky. Well, that's sad that people would think that something that is so obvious in the Word of God would be spooky, because it's it's available to us. But the focus is on fruit of the Spirit. This is kind of an intro um, lesson to this, and we're going to be talking about soil preparation. Now every one of these series has a key, a key word, a key verse. The challenge is, is that we would work on this, that we would memorize this, that we would uh, make it a focus in our homes because right now tonight, your children, I know for sure if they're a part of youth, and I don't know how many other breakouts are dealing with this, but your uh, children, if you have someone in youth ministry, they are teaching this exact lesson. And so this is something that is designed to where you can have a discussion at home. Galatians five twenty two and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, let me ask this question. What if we focused on that? I mean, really, what if we individually, in our own home, where we work, what if we focused on allowing the Spirit of God to show its proof? The fruit of the Spirit is what? The proof of the Spirit. That's what it is. It's, it's the proof of the Spirit working in us. And so if we would focus on love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance, my, you're talking about a life-changer. Now, this lesson that we will teach, this is just basically an over, overview. Those of you that, um, that have ordered the books, you know that, that the lesson that will be taught tonight there's an entire week that will deal with this lesson to drive this this deeper and i would I would uh, encourage you if you if you have not gotten the book, uh, maybe there's still some available and and I think that yes, ma'am, there are more available in the bookstore. We have to order more all right so if if you do want a book, then you can take you a tablet and go into prayer and let the gifts of the spirit operate, and then you can write out your own whole whole book. uh Those of you that ordered one, you don't have to worry about the gifts of the spirit; you just have to have the gifts of common sense to read it now when we're when we're speaking about about lessons taught to us by nature um these these lessons convey. A principle that we need to understand on this, and is this. A plant will grow to be only as healthy as the soil in which it is planted. Um, oh boy, I hope, I hope that Melanie does not hear this, and so none of you need to tell her. Back in Alexandria, there was a, there was a shrub that died. So she thinks. Uh, I made the mistake of needing to get rid of some gasoline that was left uh, over, and and so I um, I got rid of the gasoline, and I also got rid of a real nice bush. There is something about that soil. You know, I don't know. I I hope somebody is not smoking around that area. And uh, surely by now all the gases are gone out of that. Maybe, you know, it killed the bush and, and hopefully it won't be an explosion on anybody. Soil makes a lot of difference. The health of our soil makes a lot of difference. Jesus described the types of soil of the heart... Of those who hear the the gospel. And so we should make sure that the soil of our hearts is continually plowed and nourished and healthy so that the fruit of the Spirit may grow in our lives as God intends. We have the power to do this. We we have the power. You know, in one place in the Bible, it talks about break up the fallow ground. Uh, That speaks of us having some control over how our soil is and then how the seed of the Word will connect with our soil. And this series is a discussion of what the most predominant characteristics of the lives of Spirit-filled Christians should be. We have a say in this. Jesus spoke of the nine different parts of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and these are not different characteristics that we can develop. We'll just handle this on our own. No, we we cannot just develop. These are not the gifts of Terry. These are not the gifts of you insert your name. These are gifts of the Spirit. These, this is not just fruit of Terry. This is not what I'm going to produce. This is fruit of the Spirit. And so these are the results of the Spirit of God working in us. You know, we've got to understand that that in our own flesh, we just can't produce this. Because it is a flow of the Spirit. If I'm going to be, there is no way I can be biblically loving without the help of the Spirit. There's no way that I can have biblical joy. Now, I may be able to, you know, do some things that I like that makes me happy, that I can be a little joyful for, you know, for a moment or whatever. But but I cannot, we cannot be what the Spirit is wanting us to be without the working of the Spirit. And I won't get sidetracked here, but this is one thing I'm consistently seeing in people's lives. They're trying to do too much on their own. And the enemy is trying to convince us that there are things that that we ought to do on our own. It's not going to work. It's of the Spirit. This is fruit of the Spirit. So this is not just a me job, that I'm going to get smart enough, that I'm going to get mature enough that I'm going to be able to produce, see this produced in my life. It's not. It's going to be an us, and the us is me and God, me and God's Word, me and the flow of God's Spirit in my life. So in your notes, an an adequate discussion of what produces good spiritual fruit must begin with a discussion on soil preparation. Now, we're getting ready to watch a media presentation, and it's about 13 minutes long, but you know, the old saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, this, this video that you're getting ready to watch is going to be worth about a million words. But before we watch it, let's look at what the Word says about the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Hear ye, therefore, the parable of the sower, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not. Then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. This is the reason why. Let me sidetrack here a minute. This is the reason why we need to be very focused and not let the spirit of Pharaoh and Herod that is alive today. I call it a baby killing spirit. This this new this this push on abortion and all, it's nothing new. It, that's that same spirit that was alive with Pharaoh. It was alive, it, it worked through Pharaoh, it worked through Herod. It's working through, through so many people today. You say, what does that have to do with us? When we get a fresh word, when someone that we're working with receives revelation, we need to protect it because you can believe that the enemy is after new birth always after new birth this is the reason why every time somebody every time somebody gets baptized or receives the holy ghost some name needs to go beside them there's got to be somebody watching over these people if you have a friend and and uh, uh, Tim Barber is helping us with that. If any of you want to help with that process, I mean, I mean, God help us that we won't be losing people out of the baptistry. Does it make sense? So so Tim Barber could definitely use help with that because we're trying to make sure that anybody who is born again has somebody immediately with them. Why? Because we see exactly what happens when one heareth the word of the kingdom and they don't understand it. Well, they're hearing it, they're maybe leaning into it, but they don't have the understanding. Well, that's when the wicked one is going to come immediately. Then in verse 20, But he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet he hath no root in himself." But dureth for a while, he, he does it for a while, but then tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, and he is offended. This is still speaking about, about new people. This is still speaking about people who are being born again and what all comes against them immediately. Verse 22, he also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, now is where it really moves into some of us that that have been born again for years. You hear the word in the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. That's the goal of where every one of us, this is what we're after. We're after moving past just gaining some revelation and losing it, um, allowing the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, all of these things. We, I mean, especially those of us who are faithfully coming on Wednesday night for Bible study, our goal is here in, in verse 23. But this, uh, this video clip, the sower, is, is going to uh, teach a great lesson quickly. Let's watch that, and then I'll be right back.
1: And we'll put a portion to that. that quantity of wheat, about like that, and take a handful at a time and sow the wheat like that. So this this is a good seed grade wheat here, probably germination of 85% plus, which is normal. Let's go out and sow a little of this. Well, I've been a lifelong farmer. I was born and reared on a farm in the Cortner Station or Normandy community of Bedford County, about 45 miles south of here. In my lifetime, I remember wheat as when I was just old enough to remember. Wheat is what we call a winter annual. And generally speaking, it would be sowed in the fall, stays at an immature stage during the winter, matures in the spring, early summer, and then harvested. And the land is left open until the cool weather starts in the fall, and then re-sow the seed again for the next crop the next year. Okay, this is a lane or a walkway or a heavy use area here, which is quite compacted and hard. And it would be impossible to get a good stand of wheat or any crop on an area like this. And this is very similar to what you would find in the roadways uh, between property lines of years ago. And hand sowing or any any sowing like that, you have some seeds that will fly or carry further than others, and you would get it in that margin there. And it wouldn't be just precise like digging a road planting in the garden. That it's broadcast, it would some of it would go further than others. So that would be some scattering out on the hard ground or the path, you know, birds are scavengers, and they'll pick up anything that's edible that's loose, uh, whether it might have been pigeons or ravens or what have you. Uh, you sow down the seed and and the birds would fly in behind and pick up a lot of it. I would not make a good bootlegger because I spill too much. Begin with the broadcast method of just sowing it on top of the soil and then in some way scarifying that soil surface to incorporate the seed or give better seed soil contact. So that's what I did with this little disc. Earlier we sowed that broadcast on top of the soil there and then I came back with this disc and just scratched that a little bit or scarified it so that the seed would have some loose soil to make contact with so that it would germinate more readily and have a better chance of growth. I think that's what would have happened many, many years ago in biblical times, that uh, uh, they probably uh, sowed it on hard ground or almost hard ground and then came back some way. It drugged something over it or scarified that surface to give them better seed soil contact so to get better germination. My little tractor here is almost as old as I am. This is a 1964 model. 2020 John Deere. It's just as handy as it can be. It's big enough to do a lot of jobs and not too large to do a lot of jobs. Happen to be gasoline powered rather than diesel powered. When we sow seed on a glady area or an area that has very shallow soil, it dries out so quickly that the plant cannot mature in a normal time and it ends up dying. And that's why we have some indication of that here in the dead tissue here on top of the, the soil that is actually died prematurely. And bears no fruit, bears no grain. What happens when uh, when you have a crop of berries in that glady ground and what have you, there's very little fertility to it. So you have a stunted plant to begin with, a stunted seedling, and then for the, from the lack of fertilizer or fertilizer elements plant growth elements and a lack of water we have a stunted plant if uh... it dries up a little bit then there's no resistance to those adverse conditions and it dies in hot weather as i see it in this field there are two stages of growth here and i think you can pick that up on the picture there that what i'm walking through right now some of the volunteer wheat that was rolled over from the combine and was put back on the ground back in June when they planted it when they combined it last year. just ahead of me it's not quite as tall and this was seeded the day before Thanksgiving so it's not as many seed per acre as there would be in that that rolled over the combine so it's going to be a little bit behind the other in maturity Now, hopefully, all of this is going to be about waist-high at maturity, around 36 inches. Okay, here's another example of how many tillers come from one seed. You can see readily that that is one seed right there, one crown. There's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, a dozen, 12 potential heads off of that one seed, so you multiply 12 times whatever a head has in it, and you come out with the increase from one seed. And in the corner of this field it's be difficult to turn our farm machinery around, so this is what we would call an idle area here. And this is a very good indication of plant competition where native species, which we may call weeds, uh, compete with our crops. And we can see a very good example of it along the border here. And get over in the edge of the fence row there, the edge of the field, you can see how much taller it gets. And it just takes over from our our cultivated plants now. And this area here, you can see the little boot here and the flag leaf from the wheat and see how small and unthrifty it is. And that's just from competition from other plant species. The plants are so close together that it can't get enough, we'll say daylight, sunlight, they can't take up enough moisture. They can't take up enough nutrition out of the soil to make a normal growth. So we just get a little spindly plant rather than a big healthy plant. Okay, here in front of me is a musk thistle that's a biennial plant. Okay, it's, it's not unusual for some of the, one of these plants to grow three feet in diameter to shade out an area that large. So you can imagine how devastating it could be in a grain crop or a wheat crop. One plant may have a million seeds, so there'd be enough plants on this to seed half of Rutherford County. It's been about a month since we visited this field before and we can see a whole lot of growth in that period of time. And this wheat is well on the stage, way to maturity now, uh, probably twice as tall as it was back then. And it's in the flag or boot stage at this time. And you can see some of the heads here. That uh, there's, Apparently there's two different varieties in this field. These are bearded heads. You see the on or the beard here. This one is beardless. And I pulled this sample right here to show you that this head is beginning to bloom. Now, this is a self-fertile crop, so it fertilizes itself. Uh, Insects can help pollination, but it's it's not absolutely necessary to get a good wheat yield because it is a self-fertile crop. There's a number of things that, that make soil... Good. One is depth, moisture holding capacity. You get shallow soils with a a very shallow topsoil layer and a lot of subsoil, which is poor in nutrients, deficient in nutrients. You won't get much le- yield. If you get a deep sop- topsoil, high in nutrients, then you get a good yield. If we plant a bushel and a half, which would be roughly a hundred pounds per acre. We would expect to get back, in the case of, of this field here, uh, they anticipated getting 80 bushel to the acre. That's an increase of, what, 60 times or something like that? And normally, uh, if we planted a bushel and a half the acre, anywhere from, from 40 to 80 bushel is a very good rate of increase. Mm. Okay, this is a typical mature head of wheat. And this one happens to be beardless rather than bearded. And I'm going to attempt to do just like Jesus did back when he crossed the grain field and picked up a head of wheat and thrashed it in his hand, rubbed it in his hand together to thrash the wheat out. Now, as you notice that in this little breeze that we have that... There goes the chaff, which the wind blows away. And if you don't get it all, well, you just rub it more in your hand to remove that chaff from the grain itself. And hold it up, and the wind drives the chaff off. And that's the way they did that. If the wind, if, uh, and they call it winnowing, where it actually separates the chaff from the grain. We're just starting to combine this field for grain. Uh, He's made several rounds in this field, and it looks rather promising for this year. The thing I like about farming most is to see crops grow and then see crops harvested and be able to plant the seed again and see them regrow again. I love the land, I love the soil, I love to plant, and I love to see plants grow, and I also love the harvest season because that means it's the end of a lifetime of a plant and you harvest its produce, which is, it's a wholesome life. It's a great life if you don't weaken. I made my first garden when I was six years old, and that's 74 years ago, so I've been farming for three quarters of a century. You know, I'm not done yet. Uh, I, I'm a mere 80 and 20 more years of farming. That might put me to 100. That's a century, so that's long enough. I'll turn it over to some of my grandchildren then.
0: Now, I think that was pretty insightful. So I hope you were okay with a with a clip that long, but again, picture worth a thousand words. That video schooled us up in a major way on on planning. How many of you think you might be able to go grow some wheat after that? Oh, okay, I'll, a couple anyway. Well, let's take a look at the four types of soil. Now that we see the importance of it and, and what needs to go into it, Let's take a look at this. Number one, people of the path. We must constantly be resisting anything that could harden our hearts against the things of God. We must constantly be resisting that. Whenever he was walking along that, that dirt road area, uh, he was talking about how you're just, not, you're just not going to reap a harvest there. It's just not going to happen. Some elements that harden the path of our hearts include, A in your notes, hurt and bitterness. Now, you're talking about a subject that will shut the harvest down in your life and my life and will do a number on us as far as the soil, its hurt and bitterness. I would challenge all of us to... Become better at recognizing hurt quickly. Quickly. You say, well, of course, you know, when somebody aggravates you or does you wrong. Okay, I'm not talking about just recognizing, hey, they hurt me, or I wish they wouldn't have done that. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about realizing very quickly, okay, hold on just a second. Where can this go? Because you can believe that life brings hurt. Every one of us know that. We could pass this this microphone around and leave here, every one of us, in a cloud of depression. Because you can believe, we, we've been hurt. I get that. It's life. Nobody escapes it. But unfortunately, hurt is a door. It's, it's a door that that opens to very destructive emotions if we're not careful. It's just kind of like the start. And so it's, it's very important that, that when we are hurt, that we realize a door is open and we need to get that thing slammed shut fast. Like, like quick. Because here's what the enemy does. The enemy exploits the door that hurt opens and is always trying to come in with other spirits that at least one of those spirits can plant the seed of bitterness. Somebody hear me? Because once bitterness once bitterness is planted in our soil, then, then we're, we're in for it. I use this example, uh, I believe, a year or so ago. I don't remember, but it, it fits now. Bitterness... When, when we succumb to bitterness, it's literally like us taking a dog leash, putting it around our neck, and handing it to that person that we're bitter toward. And they can walk in the room and jerk that dog, jerk our, our neck this way or that way, or they can mess up the atmosphere. I'm telling you, if, if there is anyone in your life That you have handed that leash to, you've got to get that leash off of your neck. You've, You've got to get free. And when we're talking about hurt and bitterness, I promise you that will mess your soil up. Also, negative friendships and associations. Negative friendships and associations. Proverbs 13 and 20, this is not in your notes, you can make a note of the reference. Proverbs 13 and 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Proverbs 14 and 7, go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. I'm not talking about offending people. I'm not talking about being rude, crude, and socially and unacceptable. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having enough sense to not let somebody else's bad spirit hang around you enough that you open up and it starts affecting you. We can have many acquaintances. We need many acquaintances. But there's a major difference in an acquaintance and someone that you open your spirit up to. And the word is very, very clear. I have seen, I have seen individuals wrecked because of who they opened themselves up to. I've seen families wrecked. I've even seen churches wrecked. Over what? Connections? Friendships? Friendships with, with the wrong people. We, we cannot We cannot allow our soil to be just opened up to anybody to plant whatever seed that they want to plant in our life. We are are responsible for that. Another area, see in your notes, is media's and society's influence. This is huge. You hear this a lot over the pulpit. Pastor is forever in one way or another, uh, warning us about the people that we hang with and i and i'm not talking about not being nice to people. we have to be nice to people. We need to be being nice to people that that are not good. Well why? because we're to be salt and light that's why we need to get very good at at being friendly and making connections with evil people to, to see if, if maybe we would be the ones that could help bring them toward the, the light. I'm not talking about us becoming isolationist. I'm not talking about that at all. Salt is only good if it makes connection. Light is good if it makes connection. So we're supposed to be like that, but we have to protect our own spirits we have to we have to protect ourselves when we're talking about media and society my goodness i mean we'd have to be blind now to not realize the danger of that i repeat this this uh, statement often many times and i and i will continue to repeat it we live in the screen age and the screens are winning we we live in the screen age and the screens are winning we i know we have to use them for work and and i get that i'm using one right now but how we use it we've got to be very careful and then the way society is is going we we have to understand that that from the Disney Channel to the movie channel to Instagram, YouTube, X, TikTok, Fox, CNN, ABC, you name whatever, we know that the influence of media is now mega, and for the most part, it's mega ugly and ungodly. We have to, we have to understand that. We have to understand that society's way of looking at things right now, it's, it's crumbling morally. So, we're not not to step back in fear. We must be salt and we must be light. But if we don't protect our soil, we'll never be salt. If we don't protect our soil, we'll never be light. And so, we have to watch this. Another thing that we must watch, D in your notes, and that is personal ambition. Personal ambition. You say, well, that's speaking of drive and desire and aspiration. Is is something wrong with that? No, not if it's channeled the right way. But there's a major difference in somebody that's showing themselves off and someone that's showing God off. Now, there it is. In, In the book of Matthew, you see Jesus' teaching and, and there's uh, to be seen of men. I think it's those four words that he even went into when people fast and when people pray and all that. Do you know we can fast under ambition that's fleshly? When we do it, to be seen of men. Uh, when there's people that, that pray, but they pray in a way to be seen of men. So we, we must be very careful. We must be very careful. Are we, draw, are we bringing attention to ourselves? I mean, there, there's all these statements. Learn how to command a room. Learn how to, to, you know, demand this and demand that. And the way you position yourself and when you walk in and all that. Okay, that's all garbage. Every, every bit of that is garbage. That is not the way Jesus Christ operated. And Jesus Christ is our example, period. Jesus Christ is our ultimate example, and I don't, we just don't need to get into all of that. I'm going to learn how to be the one in the room, and I'm going to be the one that's going to command attention in the room, and you got to walk in a room, and you got to take over that room. That is not of God. It's not of God. Can we be confident? Absolutely, we need to be confident. Um, all, all of that is good. Well, why? Because we're a child of the king. So we can walk in confidence, and, and we can. There are some people that, that mistake confidence for arrogance. We, we don't need to make that mistake. Just because somebody's confident doesn't mean that we need to think they're arrogant. That, well, let's be careful. Let's be very careful. But when we're talking about selfish ambition, that is going to mess up our soil and you know if if you're wondering about somebody usually if they're on social media you can tell pretty quick whether it's it's about them or it's about bringing uh, honor to God we need to think in this area we need to think god and attraction god and attraction we are not the attraction we're the god he is the attraction and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect with people as a God to connect them to the attraction, which is Jesus Christ. We, we're going to be in big trouble if we think we are supposed to be the attraction. We are not. Well, there's another one, E, and that is the pursuit of pleasure. And my goodness, we live in a pleasure-crazed world in 2 Timothy 3, it speaks of a time when men would be lovers of what? Pleasure, self, and pleasure more than lovers of God. So does this mean we should never have pleasure? Well, absolutely not. It, it means that we should never be having pleasure in something more than we are getting pleasure, taking pleasure in God. This calls us out in, in a major way because if we are seeking an area to where we're gaining pleasure and we're seeking that more than God, then, then it's time for some adjustments. Now, when, we, when we're when we talking about this and when we're talking about being serious about being people of the path, let's go back now to your notes. This is a very ancient saying in agriculture that the finest fertilizer on a gardener's ground are his own footprints. It's so powerful. The attentive, enthusiastic gardener does not, like strangers and outsiders, limit himself just to the pathways. His feet do not pound and abuse the same places with their with their persistent passing. Rather, he moves gently, tenderly and carefully over every square foot of ground. He knows each tree, plant, shrub, and flower that flourishes on his land, and he literally loves them into abundant profusion and rich production. That, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And the final choice as to who or what shall dominate the garden of my life pretty much depends on me. Let's get this. What's going to dominate my, the garden of my life is going to be me. God does not choose my friends, my reading material, my music, my pleasures, my ambitions or thoughts for me. I do this. We do this. We choose that. And everything we choose is a seed. If we can ever get to where we understand that everything we choose is a seed. And, and we can, so we can choose. We can choose death. We can choose life. And so in your notes, the ultimate question simply is, do I or don't I want to be a pathway person? Will I allow the master's footprints to enrich the soil of my soul, or do I prefer to let worldly ways harden my soul against his good plan for my life? Philip Keller wrote that as as several of these notes are his writing. So the people of the path. Then we look at the people of the rocks, people whose soil of life is considered rocky, are very often people who appear to believe, but the core of their devotion is actually unbelief. It's actually unbelief. Philip writes again, Philip Keller, unbelief is one of the most difficult subjects to deal with, like the massive formations of bedrock that that underlies some marginal land. Because it's out of sight, hidden from view, it almost defies exposure, yet it underlies so many of our lives. And so there are three ways in which we can fight against unbelief that can make our hearts hard and stony. A, ask God to show you Himself. Ask God. We, we need a greater vision of Him. We, we need a greater vision of God. We need to understand more about why God, who God, and what God. We, we need to ask Him. Ask Him to reveal more of Himself to us. When, we, when we're in the Word of God, there's greater revelation that comes. And predominantly, our greatest revelation is of Him is going to be increased in His Word. Here's a big one. B, ask God to show you yourself. Or or myself. I had, I had quite a, a prayer meeting on December the 18th of uh, last year. I was praying at the office, and as clear as could be, the Spirit spoke to me and said, cast the beam out of your own eye. It was clear. Get the beam out of your own eye. And so I started going pretty deep, and, and it has been an inter- in a very intense personal journey uh, it's still continuing. Greater revelation has come to me about me. It's it's amazing when you when you really ask God to to talk to you about you, and and you're not focusing on anybody else in your house, your spouse, your kids, whatever. You're really looking in the mirror of the Word. It's it's amazing what what God will will show and what what I'm realizing is it's so easy to give other people a lot of floor space in your mind and in your head. And it starts with taking the beam out of our own eye. Ask God for that. See in your notes, ask God for great faith. Asking. Asking for great faith. Well, why not? We, we can. He says we have not because we ask not. Then he says we ask and receive because we ask amiss that we would have it obtained it upon our own lust. If we're asking for more faith, that is not amiss. Asking God, give me faith. Asking God, let me see myself. Asking God, please let let me see what I need to work on. Increase my faith. I need... Lord, I believe. Like like that man that prayed. Lord, I believe. Help my what? My unbelief. In other words, he was saying, increase my faith. That is a prayer that we need to pray because we need to become powerful people of faith. Powerful people of faith. You can't shut shut a faith-filled person down. They may get knocked down, but they're going to bounce up quick. Why? Because they have faith. If if, you, if we protect our faith and if we are gaining in our faith, it's going to make a major difference in our life. Number three, let's look at people of the thorns. Unlike our modern agriculture techniques where all sorts of selective herbicides are, are used to control weeds and crops, primitive people had only one remedy, clean cultivation of the ground. And when we're looking at this Um, with this, this impossible task, thistle seeds could be blown in on the wind from miles away. Wild birds that had fed on berries and brambles could drop their dung on any garden, depositing foreign seeds in their droppings. Wild animals and domestic beasts could carry all sorts of birds and weeds, seeds in their coats across the countryside. So there was no such thing as an eternally clean garden. Let's get this. Let's get this. There is no such thing as being able to live in such a manner that no evil thing is going to touch us or no bad thoughts. My pastor growing up, Brother Lumpkin, he would tell us, especially when he was just talking to the boys, he'd say, look, guys, you cannot help what birds fly over your head, but you can help what birds build a nest on top of your head. There are going to be seeds that are going to be dropped in, there are times I have thoughts that I don't have to wonder where they came from. It had to come out of hell. I, I got it. That's life. That is just the way that it is. Birds are going to fly and drop seeds in our head. There's going to be situations. There are going to be people going to throw things at us it's going to be almost like guided missile seeds into our life. We can't help all of that. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can be diligent enough to say, oh, no, that's not staying. Oh, no, in the, G- in the name of Jesus, that's not staying. Oh, no not, not, no, not doing that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going down that road. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going down that road. What am I talking about doing right now? I'm talking about being very intentional about our garden of our life. It was only the owner's constant diligence and care that could guarantee a beautiful and productive piece of ground. And often, even then, in spite of his most persistent efforts, the invaders would be present to prevent full fruitage. The question which we must therefore ask ourselves, it's solemn and it's searching. What takes up the most space in my life? We can ask these questions. What occupies most of my time and attention? What has gained prime place in my priorities? What has become the chief outgrowth and production in the overall performance of my life? What is the net result of my living? Worthless weeds or fine fruit of eternal value? This is powerful. This is powerful. I hope that you will, that you will give more thought to this because there is there is so much great direction in this. Well, let's quickly deal with three types of weeds. You've got the worries of the world. Worry can be debilitating. There's a couple of old common statements I've heard you probably have too. Worry is faith in the devil. Worry is faith in the devil. Someone else said worry gives you something to do but it gets you nowhere now if if you are given to worry then you've got to replace that you've got to get you've got to actively work against worry taking over your mind and then be the allure of wealth the allure of wealth mark 4 18 and 19 and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Deceitfulness of riches. Do you have a problem with rich people? Absolutely not. We need more kingdom rich people. Um, we, I think, we need kingdom um, multimillionaires. I, I would love to meet a kingdom billionaire. I, I just, I, whenever I was training, whenever I was a youth pastor. I was trying to get our junior hires. There, there were people who thought I had lost my mind the way I was teaching junior hires because I knew that we're going to snap our fingers and 10 years are going to be gone, 20 years are going to be gone. These people are going to be the ones. And if we could get it in their head, what is your gifting? How are you wired? Get some good habits you know, and I would tell them i 'm believing that some of you are going to be multimillionaires one day, and i pray to God that you 're that you 're kingdom people, and that you 'll understand that you don 't waste it on yourself that you give it you, you invest in the kingdom there 's nothing wrong with this we 've just got to understand that the bible 's very clear about the deceitfulness of riches we don 't have to be deceived by it. But it's very natural that deceitfulness does come connected with riches. So we have to be very careful. And then see in your notes the temptation of materialism. The temptation of materialism. You may just want to write 1 Timothy six, nine through ten by, by that, that one. It speaks about the people that will be rich, fall into temptation and snare, and many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Some coveted after, they erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Is this saying that this always happens? No, it's not saying. It's saying, beware. It's saying, beware that this is what could happen. And then, Number four, people of purpose. People who become one with the purpose of God, the good soil, must be people who receive and respond to God's Word. You getting it? The people that receive and respond to God's Word. Every one of us in here tonight, we choose and we control how much we receive. We receive, and we're really living in an amazing day. I mean, we have the we have audio Bible. You can be listening to the Bible driving down the road. You can have it in your head headphones. There there are uh, there's YouTube channels that has amazing uh, biblical training. We we can be taking so much of the Word in, and then we also control how much we respond. Let's get, let's get this right. People who become one with the purpose of God, the good soil, must be people who receive and respond to God's Word. Now, people, you know, people who are faithful to come on Wednesday night to hear God's Word, the culture, I love the culture of new life that, that for years, Wednesday night, It's just teaching. It's it's just breaking it down, and there's handouts and well, you are putting yourself in position to receive. Now, please, when you leave, respond. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. Well, why? Because when we're a hearer, only self-deception sets in. That's the reason why I've said. And we'll say many more times, some of the most deceived people are the most faithful to church. Terry, how in the world could you say that? Well, because the Bible says it, that if we're a hearer and not a doer, deceiving themselves. Deceiving themselves means self-deception. So we see how that can happen, but it doesn't have to, but it doesn't have to. We can be people who come in and we tune in, and we fill in our blanks, or we read, and we go back, and we run back over it again, and we decide, okay, I've heard this. Now, how am I going to respond to this? I'm not going to be somebody that can just hear 45 minutes of teaching, an hour of teaching, or hear a message by a pastor on Sunday, or someone else, and then just say, oh, good. That was nice. Hey, good, good point. We, boy, they were alive. Man, that was great. No, no, it goes beyond that. It's when we receive, And we have to focus to receive. And it's hard. It's hard sometimes to focus even and listen to teachers like me or whoever. Because why? Tomorrow's in your head. The next day's in your head. What am I going to do tonight? What do we have got to do? Got to get this lined out for the kids. It's a struggle to even receive. But when you fight the fight to receive, keep your mind to hear it, and then you fight the fight to respond all right, now we've got some good soil. Now we've got some good soil that the seed of the Word can do a work in. Now we've, we can become, we can grow. And it all starts with what kind of soil are we going to be? And I commend you. I commend you for coming. I commend you for loving the teaching of the Word of God. And I promise you, if you receive it and you'll respond to it, you know as well as I do, when we receive the Word and we respond, we know the difference in our life. We, we know what happens in our life, and we just have to continue. Amen? Amen. It's going to be an exciting series. I'm, I hope that you'll uh, be here every every night possible that you can. I trust that you'll study the material during the week, and let's get as much out of this as we possibly can. Can we stand together? Here's what I'd like for you to do. If it's if if it's uh, comfortable for you to do so, can you put your hand on somebody's shoulder or 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 take their hand? And uh, what we're going to do is we are going to pray for the person next to us. We're going to pray for someone right now that this will be a week to where the Word of God will, will speak to them. And they've received the Word, but that they will respond to what the Word is saying. Can we pray that now? Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the power of your Word. We have received it. And now we are believing that we're going to go forth and we're going to respond in the way that you would have us to respond to your word. I'm praying that we will choose to be the soil that you intend for us to be. That we will be good ground. That we will be good ground. What 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 our ground ends up yielding, That's that has much to do with with you. Because some hundred, some sixty, some thirty. But even that, it all comes from good ground. And so we are applying ourselves to where our lives will be good ground and that there will be a harvest that comes from that through the good seed of the Word. Now let it be done in Jesus' name. And can the church say amen? amen? Amen.